Thanks for tuning into the XL Legal Podcast, an interview-based podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I have the pleasure and the honor of speaking with Rohan Bansi about the art of public speaking. Rohan's a lawyer, mediator, arbitrator, educator, deputy judge, and the principal of Bansi Dispute Resolution Services. Informed by his background in psychology, philosophy, and adult education, Rohan's book, Eloquence, Public Speaking Skills for Lawyers and Other Professionals, published in 2014, continues to be a go-to public speaking guide. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Rohan. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so happy that you're here. You know, the topic of public speaking is so interesting to me, particularly for lawyers, because I think a lot of non-lawyers assume that if you're a lawyer, then you're a natural and fearless public speaker, which really wasn't true for me when I was practicing. Uh, So... I'm just wondering as a starting point, if it doesn't come naturally, how does a lawyer become a good public speaker? But there are specific skills that one can develop um, to become an effective public speaker. And basically what I'm saying is that you have to be able to answer four basic questions, right? And the first question as a public speaker you're you're gonna answer is, what is it that you know, right? And the second thing is, how do you know it? And then the third thing is, why should your audience care about the fact that you know this particular thing? (laughs) Right? And then fourth, what should they do about it? So that's a starting point. Mm -hmm. What is it that you know? How do you know it? Why should why should I care? And okay, so what? What should I do about it? Mm -hmm. So that's that's a starting point, right? But from there, if we're gonna go into the mechanics of the thing. You know, and there are specific mechanics, and 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 I I've broken it down in, in the book. I've broken it down into um, specific steps. You know, for for instance, you know, when you're going to public speak, you're you have to develop your objective. What? Why do you want to talk about this? For us lawyers, our starting point for everything we do is the theory of our case. Mm-hmm. The theory of your case as a lawyer will drive everything. In my opinion, it drives your communication with the with opposing counsel with all counsel it drives your your drafting how you the where how you draft particular pleading how you draft your correspondence you know your theory of your case is everything it's just like so public speaking is what is your objective and the second thing will be okay having that objective or that theory in mind what are the main points Okay, so you mm-hmm. have to develop these, determine what the main points are. Now you move on to the step, okay, now develop the opening of your, of your talk. Mm-hmm. Okay, and after that, you get yourself, okay, I have these points, I have this opening. Now here's, here's an important thing, transitions. Mm-hmm. Okay, transitions are that seamless segue or those, those seamless segues from point to point to make mm-hmm. it flow, make it pleasant to listen to, 
years ago uh, when I was doing management consulting, I used to read a lot about public speaking and, and watch uh, VCR, VHS tapes in those days. <laughs> and, and, you know, some people use a segue, such a transition. Okay, now that we said such and such, you ease into the next one. Okay mm-hmm. is a very common one. Right. Or, now that we've examined such and such, we can take a look at boom. That's a transition. Right, right. Okay. So we have to memorize these transitions that are comfortable to us. I'm going to talk about later on being authentic. You don't what you don't want to use someone else's stuff that's just not you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you go from you know developing your objective or your theory, determining what your key points are that you need to uh, impart, develop your opening, memorize your transitions, and then you have to polish your closing because mm-hmm. your closing ties it all up into a nice bundle with a bow and you deliver it, you know, and mm-hmm. you, you just basically, and that's, and that, uh, I often think of when a student's in, uh, in, in my day in, in, in school, you wrote compositions, right? Well, public speaking is, is an oral composition, right? There's an opening, mm-hmm. there's a body of it and there's a closing. Right, right. Just, just like just like submissions, there's an opening, there's a body, which is the evidence and the different levels and different elements of the evidence. And then there's a closing. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on that point um, of, of you mentioned about memorizing transitions and then the importance of the introduction and the conclusion, would you recommend memorizing the introduction or the conclusion I know that used to stress me out so much that I'd heard that was advice I got. You've got to rem- certainly memorize your, your opening line. Uh, and then I would stand there and think, oh, no, <laughs> I can't remember my opening line. Well, well I'll, tell you something. <laughs> I'll tell you something. So one of the things I've, I've, uh, I know to be true, if, if you don't know the subject matter, you can't talk about it comfortably. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like a lawyer's, rep- lawyers representing clients. Some of the best lawyers I see, and I'll give you an example. Two weeks ago, I did a mediation and uh, I was conducting a mediation and there was a technical difficulty for the lawyer who was in uh, Brampton or Mississauga. And he had, a fire alarm went at his office. So he had to go to his vehicle to do his portion of the opening. So his client was at, at her home in Barrie. He was in his car in a parking garage without his notes or anything. And I was impressed with this young guy because he did what we all are supposed to do. He knew his client. So his opening was sitting at the, in the front seat of his car, holding his cell phone and speaking to the rest of us. And he spoke about his case and he spoke about his client in a very humane way. He gave me an idea of what the evidence is in her favor. Right. So, yeah, you should know your mm-hmm. case. And that's part of your opening because your opening, what you do is you're introducing yourself right? You're introducing the subject, right? You're also introducing the focus or the theory. What is this thing about? What is this conversation about? But you're also telling your audience what to expect. Mm-hmm. So we should be able mm-hmm. to do that without notes, right? You should be able to introduce yourself, right. your subject, tell me what you're going to be talking about, and, and let me know what to expect. You should be able to do that without notes. That's your introduction. Yeah, yeah. Right now, similarly, if I jump to it, similarly, your closing should also be, you should know it because here's what 
Your closing is where you recap to your audience, where you remind them what was promised in your opening. You let them know what was delivered. And then there's the call to action. You answer the question, so what? <laughs> well, well, golly, you're opening and closing. Guess what? You should know that going in. That's a conversation yeah. sitting, sitting at your kitchen table, walking down the street, riding an elevator, as they often say. Right? Because that's when somebody says, oh, you know, tell me about this. Well, you should be able to tell someone about it. The more difficult task mm -hmm. is in the body of your presentation, your composition, your submissions, whatever it is we want to do when we're talking about public speaking, because those are unique and specific subsections. They're bite-sized pieces, right? So every paragraph of, a, of, a, of an essay or composition is, an own, is a, their own idea, has their own idea. Well, it's the same thing with public speaking, right? So that is a little different, but as we speak about each subsection, each different paragraph in our, in our essay, we transition, right? Mm -hmm. With these transition statements, which helps us move it along. Right. So in, a, in, 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 in essence, you're, you, there's your opening, there's your body, and then you're closing. And absolutely, the opening and closing, golly, if you don't have that opening memorized, I'm going to say, but go out on a limb and say, <laughs> you, you don't know your case. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And rather than focusing in, on do I have it memorized? Have I got it right? Um, just going back to okay, what's this all about? And and knowing that you know, know your case as what's opposed to getting caught up in yeah the theory as you mentioned the theory of the case. That's correct. Yes, yes. The the mm -hmm. evidence section mm -hmm. is is in the body. That's the evidence. Those right. are unique and discrete subsections. Right. Right. And any tips on, you know, how to keep your audience engaged in that middle part in the, in the sort of the, the body? Well, that, that, that's, that's tough, but it comes down to a couple of very simple things. Well, a few very simple things. And it comes down to preparation and organization. You have to make sure that your thoughts are laid out and if, if I, let me back up for a second because here I am not being uh, structured but, but common mistakes that are made is that the lack of or limited preparation right as my granny used to always say you have to sweep the corners right mm -hmm. and every and every public speaking session or every submission every time we speak there's a structure to it as you're probably realizing as I'm speaking to you now there is a structure so the mistakes that, is, that are often made are no or low preparation and no or low structure, right? right? And the other mistake that's often made is not speaking to your audience, speaking to the level, mm. presenting the level of information for your audience. For example, the same presentation to a, a, a group of uh, for first year, maybe what we call young lawyers or one to five year lawyers or third year law students is not the same presentation to a grade 12 law class, right? Right. The same presentation to uh, a group of 10-year experienced professional engineers is not the same to a first-year college-level engineering technician students. So you have to know your audience, 
you have to speak to the level of the audience in terms of the information that you're that you're sharing but also you have to be mindful of your pace be mindful of your tone be mindful of your voice inflection be mindful of whether or not you're missing cues the body language of your audience so these are mistakes that are made which tie into the question you asked me how do you maintain their attention well the thing is if you are not prepared and your information is not prepared if your information is not structured to flow with the transition with, with a good opening with transitions from the evidence that are point to point and ease into a closing you're, you're not go, you're not going to get that audience you're not going to keep them and the other thing you need to do is get to the point <laughs> know your points and make your points you know and early and early on i imagine hit them with it yeah <laughs> hit them yeah. with it early yeah you know, you, you got to know why you're there and you have to mm-hmm. know the key elements in that body. So know the points and make your points. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And I think another, as you're talking about um, some of the common mistakes, what about reading from notes? Um, I know that oftentimes I've seen speakers who read from notes and it's not exactly the most stimulating does not impress me when I see someone speaking to me and they're reading from notes or even, if, and I see lawyers do this in mediations, they're, they're just reading something that's in front of them. This is not a recital. Mm-hmm. You know, we, and we could talk about the whole thing of storytelling. This is storytelling. This is to tell a mesmerizing story. Don't recite. Yeah. But one of the things I always say is you, you never read from slides. You might put the slides up, right? Because those are be your, you know, you're, you're letting someone know what your key points are. But what you're supposed to do is wrap your key points into the story that you tell by bringing, mm. bringing those key points to life. You might put up a bunch of numbers, as dry as they are, statistics, principles, whatever it is, but your storytelling brings them to life. Mm. You see, and you lose your audience when you don't do that because what the audience is doing, they're sitting there or they're standing, whatever they are, they're saying, you know, they're subconsciously, or maybe consciously saying to themselves, why should I care? <laughs> right? Why should I care what he, he or she's talking about? Mm-hmm. Right? So you have to always do a mental check. And you have to know, is my information beneficial to the audience? Because mm-hmm. remember, they're saying, why should I care? Right, right. And this idea of storytelling... Um... I sort of conjure up different things in my mind when you say storytelling in relation to public speaking. How does that play out? And how do you prepare uh, to tell stories in a, in a presentation? Well, I'll tell you, see, storytelling for me is, is the fun part of it. And as, as much as uh, I, I'm a nervous wreck when I do public speaking, you know, but if I know the story that I want to tell, it puts me in a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. We can talk about uh, later on if you want uh, fears and stuff, how to overcome those fears. Because I went through one of them today when I was preparing for this. As I was getting ready and shaving, I was going through one of my things that I do. <laughs> Make no mistake about it, you know? So, you know, the thing is, with, with this storytelling thing, uh, and, and, we're gonna, and I want you to remind me if I don't do it, because preachers are the best storytellers. Mm. 
right? And I'm gonna, and so you gotta remind me to tell you that. I'll tell you something along those lines. But basically, storytelling is where you're bringing in anecdotes to give life to the dry story that you may have, right? But anecdotes should be your own. You know, don't use cliches. If you're gonna use something else, give credit. If someone else is someone else's cliche, give it credit. You know, I tell you, embarrassing thing for me. I, I did a public speaking uh, thing about three years ago at a university, and it was uh, empowering and uh, you know confidence building stuff. And uh, I, I I told a story of a, of a particular. I gave a particular anecdote, so to speak, but I didn't give it credit to to, to the uh, the person who I heard it from. And <laughs> lo and behold, at lunch, one of the students said to me. I'm glad to see you made a such and such reference. And I said, shoot, <laughs> you know, there, there, you know there, there's a piece of humility there where you say, yeah, busted. You didn't give it credit where, where it was due. Right, right. And that, but that's yeah. a lesson learned, right? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so, and I, you know, people like to use metaphors and stuff like that. Okay, metaphors are fun and they're good to use in, in a story, in, a, in telling a story. And the beauty with using metaphors is that you can embellish them, exaggerate them, you can make it humorous and things of that nature. For lawyers, however, here's the thing. The stories we tell have to be fact-based. Yeah, yeah. We can't deviate from the facts. You don't want to embellish, you don't want to exaggerate, right? You could use a metaphor to bring that dry fact to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just wondering if we can um, talk about an example, because it all sounds great in theory, but I'm thinking, you know, preparing my next presentation, how would I actually do that? Especially like you're saying, as a lawyer, you have certain restrictions, uh, you can't embellish. So can you think of a, like an example wow. of a case and then how to tell that story? Well, one of the simplest ways is to examine a language that you choose to use. Right? We can say there was a car accident, or we could say there was a motor vehicle collision. Hmm. Right? So it's the we 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 storytell by impactful language that will be relatively emotive. Okay. You see. Because you have to think about who you, who are you speaking to? And how how and how can I impact them? How can I mesmerize them how can i reach out grab their souls and mm -hmm. own them for 30 minutes you see and mm -hmm. the best storytellers are able to do that you see you know most kids don't like to go to church most people don't like to go to church because the preacher stands there and he rambles on he reads out of the bible right he reads and reads and reads now then you get the preacher who's a storyteller and you remember the story you got to bear with me here, okay? This, this, I'm going to take you for a ride. And this one's going to be fun. All right? John 11.35. Now, in the Bible, it's in the New Testament, there's what they call the shortest sentence in the Bible. And the sentence goes like this. Then Jesus wept. That's it. And the question behind that is, why? Why was Jesus crying? Well, this is this story here. Now, this is... I could, I could read you this out of the Bible, out of John 11, right? Or I can tell you what I'm about to tell you. And you tell me which is more effective. So Jesus had this friend named Lazarus. Lazarus had two sisters, Martha and Mary. 
he was a good friend of these people. They used to feed him, take care of him, brush his hair, all this stuff. You know, but Jesus, my man, Jesus is traveling around doing what he does, right? With his disciples doing his thing. And what happened was he got word that Lazarus was dying and he had to go see Lazarus, but he had responsibilities. Now, you know, we know Jesus was being pulled all over the place to, to heal and save and do all this stuff. He didn't go to see Lazarus. Someone came to Jesus and said, listen, Lazarus is about to die. You've got to come. But then one of the disciples said, well, we can't go, Master, because you need to be here. You need to be there. Jesus didn't go. Somebody came to him and said, you have to come. He said, listen, I, I can't go see Lazarus. I've got responsibilities. Lo and behold, someone came and said, Lazarus is dead. He said, no, it's okay. It's okay. He, he'll be fine. He, he's going to still, he'll, he'll be fine. So then one of the sisters, they come to him and say, listen, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. So what does Jesus do? Lazarus, now Jesus goes to where Lazarus lives. And yeah, Lazarus is dead. And the sisters say to him, well, you should have come. You should have come. And he said, it's okay. And this is where this, this line comes. Because everybody's blaming him for not showing up because he could have saved Lazarus from dying. And then the line comes up. Then Jesus wept. And mm. the question is, why did he weep? Was he weeping because Lazarus died? Or was he weeping because of he was disappointed in the lack of faith in the people? Hmm. Right? Because here's what mm -hmm. we know that happened. He says, take me to where he's buried. So everybody's, they go. And, he, and there's this tomb, right? In those days they had tombs. So he said, move the stone, right? So what do you think happens? They move the stone and they said, no, we can't move the stone because it's going to smell. There's a dead body in there. Jesus says, move the stone. They move the stone away and out walks Lazarus. Wow. So much more compelling than, as you say, if you just sort of read the text. Exactly. Yeah. So now, I tell you what, I bet you now know the story of Lazarus. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I will definitely remember it as well. You see, um, I see and now the, the most famous and most shortest, well, not the most, the shortest sentence in the entire Bible is then Jesus wept. Hmm. Right? Now, now I understand the story behind that. Exactly. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to um, something you mentioned before. You were talking a little bit about sort of fear of public speaking and how you're saying that you, with all your experience, uh, you know, still get nervous. And what are some of the things that uh, you find help you when you start feeling a little anxious before or even during a presentation? Well, first of all, it comes back to that holding of preparation. Hmm. You know, you, you have to prepare yourself, make your notes, understand what it is you're going to be talking about. You have to be able to speak about it conversationally, and then you're ready to go. Okay. But the first, the first thing, there's, and there are certain points I want to share with you. You have to embrace the experience. You have to, and, and by embracing it, it's important that you relabel it. For example, every spring when the leaves are blossoming, I get bad allergies. And what is a histamine reaction? Histamine reaction is your body protecting you, right? So my, when I get these sniffles and all this craziness in the springtime, instead of moaning and saying, oh, Jesus, allergy season, 
what do I say? Summer's almost here, right? Mm. I embrace it and I relabel mm. it. In August, from middle of August until the first frost every year, ragweed season. Yeah. But I got to tell you, Shelly, I got to tell you, my favorite season is the fall. Because <laughs> that's the football season. So, <laughs> so when, I, when August rolls around, I start to sniffle and sneeze and all that stuff. I embrace it because I say, wow, it's almost football season. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so you do these things by relabeling your experience. Some people say, you know, yeah, and it's positive speak, right? You know, instead of saying, um, I have to do such and so, hold on now. Why don't you just say, I get to do such and such, mm. right? Have to versus get to. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different spin. So it's more yeah. positive speak. You I know? like that. Yeah. Now, the other thing that, that I like to do is, is you develop a mantra that will help you to embrace and speak positive. Yeah. Now, for me, uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, see, I, I'm, a, I'm a child of the 60s and the 70s. So I, I grew up listening to James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I, I like to listen to, uh, which, uh, which helped, helps me with my, my courage, so to speak, I listen to James Brown, the boss. And part of the lyrics is, paid the cost to be the boss right? <laughs> right because when you public speak you're perceived as an expert you're perceived mm-hmm. as the boss mm-hmm. and in order for me to remember that I'm the boss I have you know I paid the cost to be the boss <laughs> that's great that's <laughs> see great. so I listen to, I listen to James Brown I listen to Isaac Hayes a theme from Shaft <laughs> right I listen to Curtis Mayfield Superfly <laughs> Those are my go-to three because they get me ready. That's great. You see, because remember what I said at the very beginning, you have to be able to answer the question, what it is you know, how you know it, and why should the audience care? Mm -hmm. And once you open your mouth in public, the minute you open your mouth in public, you are perceived to be an expert or a pro. So you have to have that mantra, that mindset that, yeah, I'm bringing it because I am the expert. I am the pro. Right. I paid the right. cost to be the boss, as James would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've also heard about um, visualization techniques as being, you know, a way to help combat that fear of, of public speaking. What do you think of that? That's very important. And it's not just visualizing going through it. It's a deeper visual, visualization. What it is it's almost a meditative situation. It's almost me- because what you want to do is you want to get the feeling, you know, you want to feel the emotions before the event, because when it happens, you, you know what to expect. Hmm. So visualization, it, it, and that's why it's so important that we, 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 we run through what it is we want to say repetitively, repetitively. So we know and we're prepared and you visualize your audience and you visualize your errors hmm. and how you would bounce back from those errors. Cause you will make them, mm-hmm. you know, but visualization isn't just seeing the event unfold or the actions, your activities unfold. Visualization is an emotive thing also where you want to feel what it's like to be in that moment. You see, and yeah, and how do, how do you put yourself 
in the moment when you're not in the moment. <laughs> well, and that's where the constant preparation and practice, practice, practice comes into play. You see, you know, I, I, I talk about, in the book, I talk about Gladwell and Malcolm Gladwell, about the 10,000 hours of practice that one goes right. through. Or the actor, Michael Caine, who said that rehearsals are the hard work because the performance are easy. You go through so much <laughs> rehearsal. By the time you get to performance, it's fun. I'm hoping that what one gathers and listens to this is that preparation, you know, as I said earlier, one of the biggest common mistakes is no or low preparation or no or low structure mm -hmm. in, in your speaking. And that preparation will get you ready so you're able to visualize and feel it, develop your mantra that you need to move forward. Now, there are, there, right. there are specific things. There's, there are physical strategies, you know, breathing exercises. Um, a lot of people do yoga, meditation. Some people like to go for a run. I know a lot of lawyers on, on trial days, particularly when they're in trials, they have to run every day. Whatever it is that one does for their physical strategy, you know, you do that. Then there's a psychological strategy, such as the positive speak, developing your mantra. Tell yourself that you paid the cost to be the boss. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, there, there, there are also uh, behavioral strategies, which to me is the the whole aspect of practicing it, recording what you do, you know, having conversations mm -hmm. with whoever wants to listen. You know, one of my favorite things is, uh, and I, I kind of pride myself on that and I test myself on it from time to time is to just speak about a particular case in a very conversational way and I test myself to see if I hit the salient points in that conversation in an easy flowing way hmm. you see that's mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite ways of do, doing it because if mm -hmm. I could sit down with you and talk about Lazarus for instance right? In a very conversational way, hitting the important points. Golly, that's my behavioral strategy at play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes such good sense. And what about during your presentation? Like, I know, oftentimes people say, oh, you know, just once I get started, I'm okay. But um, I've noticed for myself too, sometimes in the middle of a presentation, I'll just get hit with a, oh my goodness, everybody's looking at me, um, you know, and I don't know what I'm going to say next. Any suggestions on how to manage that anxiety in the moment? Don't be afraid to pause. Hmm. <laughs> we all, we all right. come across those. Right. I come across those a lot. You know, and that's part of, you know, sometimes you think you're losing them or sometimes someone will ask you a tough question and um, you don't have the answer. And all of a sudden now you're off your game because mm -hmm. you can't transition to something positive because you just be like, oh, I don't know. There's something I don't know. But guess what? That's okay. You see, because authenticity will always carry the day. Right. Always, always, always. So you get stuck. And sometimes I'll be in the middle of something. I used to teach a lot at the college level. And, you know, my way of teaching was interactive. And how I get over my fear. And, you know, students that may listen to this will understand that's what he was doing. <laughs> how, I, how I get over my fear is by interacting with the students. And my teaching style was one 
of audience participation where I would ask questions. Right. You see, and even, even often when I, now not in court, for instance, but public speaking, I would find some reason to have a few conversations with members of the audience. Mm-hmm. Because that's my personal strategy to relieve my own anxiety. Because if I can get them speaking with me, interacting with me in a positive way, when what my little voice, my insecure little voice is telling me is that, okay, Ro, you're okay. (laughs) You see? Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, you know, part of the fear in the moment is um, I use maintaining their attention and uh, the audience participation of having them on side with me, almost a triangulation thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you sort of deflect from yourself. And we're triangulation, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'm thinking about being a member of an audience. And I think that we are a lot less critical as audience members um, of a speaker who is struggling than we we are of ourselves when we perceive that we're struggling. I think generally the audience is quite sympathetic because like you say, it's authentic and who hasn't been in that position? Well, so, exactly. Yeah. You see, audiences, they, they, could, they could feel what you're feeling, right? How many times do we feel embarrassed with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's going, oh, geez, oh, I can't look at him. He's bombing, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I hope no one's ever said that about me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know one of the things that we have to be mindful of you know when public speaking is that uh, you have to be genuine use your own style use your right. own language you know but now you have to make sure the language you use is appropriate for the setting mm-hmm. right but you know be be genuine to yourself you know be enthusiastic because yeah. the audience will the audience will feel whether or not you're just going through a script that you've memorized or you really believe what it is you're saying they could feel it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you see and as a lawyer you know you're, you're making you're talking to a jury you could stand there and read uh a, a, you can recite a script to them or you can have a conversation with those folks Right. I love that. Yeah. Have a, think about having a conversation because really from what you were saying, that's what it sounds like it's all about is that's a dialogue. It yeah. In, in its simplest form, that's what it is. And that's why, you know, um, some of the best, best public speakers, in my opinion, are the good stand-up comics. <laughs> right. The good stand-up comics, they stand there they, 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 they entertain you, they pull you in with, some sto- with a story, and they, they make you laugh, they make you say, oh, I can't believe he just said that, or she just <laughs> said that. You know, you're engaged, right? Mm-hmm. Much, like, mm-hmm. much like the good preacher, mm-hmm. right? You know, the good preacher, when you, when you go to do church with a good preacher, you, you, you remember the story. Yeah, you definitely. definitely. Stand up, and- come, stand Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was writing this. And with the stand-up comedy comic, the same thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. For yeah. me, and, and that's why, you, if you want to be a good good public speak, speaker, don't look at the politicians. Think of the Jerry Seinfelds of the world, David Chappelle's. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, they're just chatting with you. Ray yeah. Romano. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, I love they're that. Having, they're just having a conversation with you, but yeah. you, you're, but it's engaging. Yeah. Yeah. And they're and being I authentic. Love- Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very, very authentic. Great tips, <laughs> Rohan. Yeah, and wonderful, <laughs> wonderful strategies. I'm wondering, is there anything else that um, we haven't talk, talked about that you think would be worthwhile sharing with uh, with our listeners? Well, if I was to backtrack and think, you know, we, we know what the elements are. We know that we need to prepare, prepare, prepare. We know, um, you know, the, the, some of the biggest mistakes is not preparing. Um, and not knowing who your audience is and speaking to the level of your audience and trust your pace, you know, mm-hmm. trust silence, trust the pause. The pause is a beautiful thing. Right. A good strategic pause. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. you know, we have to trust, we have to trust those. Right. And trust, trust your own natural pacing of your speech pattern, but also be mindful of that because a lot of times when we're public speaking, this is something that we should always remember is that anxiety will make us speak too quickly. Yes. Anxiety will also make us forget. <laughs> right. And the best way to deal with both of those, deal with that anxiety is to every once in a while, just pause, just have a big exhale, take a look around the room and say, how's everybody doing? Hmm. And I will bet you, whoever listens to this podcast that knows me will say, oh, my God, I've heard that from him a million times. <laughs> because that's yeah. my way. That's my way of dealing with my anxiety. Right. right. And I've, I've been doing it for many, many years, even when I'm doing a mediation, even when I'm judging in small claims court. Sometimes, you know, I'm nervous because everybody's staring at you. You're the judge, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, 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 I say, so how's everybody doing? And for some yeah. reason, I don't know why it is, it helps me lower my anxiety level. Hmm. Hmm. You know, so Excellent. Then, I think, then I think I paid the cost to be the boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, just so wonderful chatting with you, Rohan. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share your words of wisdom and your wonderful insights with me. And uh, yeah, I'm just wondering where I should direct people if they want to learn more about you and how to get your book, things like that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Shelly, first of all, this has been a great opportunity and uh, it's been, I was, I've been nervous leading up to this moment. I got to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 won't, I won't lie. <laughs> I did all well, my little, all well. my things. All my things, including listening to my music. So I, I'm good to go. But no, this is a great opportunity. And I really thank you. It's a very humbling opportunity. And you're very kind to invite me to, to speak with you today. I, I really appreciate it. Now, uh, in terms of understand, uh, learning more about me and what it is I do, uh, go to my website, bdrs.ca. Uh, okay. My company is there, Bansy Dispute Resolution Services, Inc. And uh, there's even a link that you can order my book through Amazon. And I, and I tell you, I got to tell you one of my little quirky things. I'm a child. I'm a, I'm a 61 year old child. And my, my kids, <laughs> my kids chuckle at me every time I do this, I'll go into Indigo. Right. And I see the book, you can get the book through Indigo. So I'll go to the computers in Indigo and do a search and pop up the book on the screen and walk away and go to every computer. <laughs> So we'll know if we're in Indigo and we see your book on the screen that you're somewhere in the store. 
I'm in, I'm in the building. Rose in the house. Ro- Rose in the house. Rose <laughs> Especially in the house. If you go from screen to screen to screen and this blue book cover is there on every single screen, you know I'm in the building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Wonderful image. Well, thank you, Rohan, so much. I really appreciate your honesty. <laughs> My pleasure, Shelly. It's really good chatting with you. Thanks for joining me today on the XL Legal Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm always looking for topic and guest ideas. So if you have any suggestions for future episodes, I'd love to hear from you at xllegal.com. That's E-X-E-L-L-E-G-A-L.com.